This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for, what is this, a rebirth show after the international break, Mr. Phil Shaw and Mr. Chris Burt. Welcome Hello, back, mate. gentlemen. How Hello. are you? All right. We're just we're going to do a half-hour show this time. Uh, Brilliant. No, no <laughs> match to talk about. So we're going to keep the original format. Get through the Villain News, three points, medium Muppets, and then probably uh, go off into the sunset discussing uh, Dean Smith's three years. But it's not a show about Dean Smith's three years. It's just a topic to talk about. Uh, so we're not going to go in-depth, but uh, we thought it's the anniversary, so uh, why not uh, mention it? Anyway, what's been happening in uh, your international breaks I've been, I've been avoiding international football for one. That's been brilliant. He wears this Back like a London. badge of honour, doesn't he, uh, Phil? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. always boasting about avoiding international matches. To be honest, I genuinely <laughs> forgot the first game. Someone said, did you watch well, the England, I forgot, the Andorra I forgot game? Both. I, I, I completely forgot they were playing. I, I missed that one and I forgot they were playing against... Uh, well, I didn't even know they were playing Hungary. I missed that one as well. I, actually, I haven't even seen the goals yet from any of those games. No, well, um, Northern Ireland, Northern uh, Ireland kept up their... Um, Bulgaria! Bulgaria! They kept up their protest about the Qatar World Cup by just not qualifying. So that was that was that's well stood up to. I mean, they didn't bother with the the print and t shirts route. They just didn't qualify. <laughs> yeah. We just refused to go. Yeah, and and look what happened whenever we lost the set piece coach when Austin McPhee left. Then Jamal Lewis just decides to get sent off for taking too long to take a throw in in the first half. <laughs> just forgot how to take it, or well, forgot that he has to take it. That is the funny thing about Nanny McPhee is that uh, any anything to related to set pieces now... He gets credit for everything, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like nobody ever was able to take a set piece before in the history of football. Admittedly, they weren't at Villa in the last 18 months, but... Yeah, I mean, as soon that. as I said that, in my head, the image of Ashley Westwood <laughs> did form. And, and I thought, yeah, I probably won't get away with that one. But uh, anyway, I went back. Uh, I mean, not content with getting Basically beat. Basically live at this other Spurs ground, don't you? Yeah, not content with being beaten once. I, I decided, right, I'm going straight back to get beat again. <laughs> At great expense again. I mean, I got a decent ticket. It's the NFL. It's that stadium's built for NFL. It's really close to the pitch. It's it was uh, it was a spectacle. I mean, unfortunately, the Jets are the Jets, but uh, it was probably the best national anthem, the American one I've ever seen. It was uh, wow. 
some woman uh, i don't know what her name is so apologies to her uh some america i don't know if it's like an american one of these uh you know uh us has got talent jobs but she she gave it all but she sang it from up upon the cockerel the plot of the wow. platform yeah nosebleed territory <laughs> <laughs> right above the ground on the top of the ground where they got that golden cockerel she was on a platform next to that and when she started uh, getting to the end of the american anthem four fighter jets fl- directly flew over my head and uh, it was a bit of a bit, a bit of a red arrows display and that was Love like it. fuck me i can go home now that w- that was my money's worth you know you could feel the the hair on your head kind of go with the uh, with the vroom Love it. You know, it's the full American production, but that that was actually, uh, that was pretty good. I mean, it was well yeah, sung. They put on a show, to be fair. They always do, don't they? And, uh, but yeah, the, the ticket was more expensive than, uh, as I mentioned, you know, there was a deal on hospitality and uh, uh, for the Villa Spurs game, and it was less than 50%, and it was about £100 for, you know, and you get food and drink included in that. And this was like, the ticket was more expensive than that, but it was just, you know, Basic setup, no perks. But then, you know, it was still bitter in my in my mouth that because twelve pounds what I paid was some kind of game fee, like miscellaneous game fee. And then there was uh, handling fee, booking fee, made up fee. And so that really, that's what took it, you know, to a high amount. But then you get there and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, I'll have a couple of pints of Beaver Town IPA. And you notice that all the drinks have changed because obviously they go for whatever's got the sponsorship and it's all Budweiser and Bud Light. And uh, so you think, oh, the beer selection's not as good. But then you also notice they're over a pound more. A pint is over a pound more than it was uh, a week before. It's like hyperinflation. Uh, one week, it's you know, it's gone up uh, over a quid. It's, it's New and, York yeah. prices for a poorer, poorer product. And you just think, fuck that. So I didn't drink that on that day. I was quite looking forward to a couple of beers watching the American football. Obviously, because of COVID, they didn't have the beer man bringing drinks to your seat. So that element's gone. Could you drink in the stand though? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can nice. take drinks in, but I wanted to, you know, to have a proper drink, not a fucking almost eight quid bloody Budweiser, watered down piss, as we call it. Yeah. It's a Daniel, it's a Daniel Levy, Levy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's more a contractual thing yeah, uh, with NFL the NF- stuff, NFL, and you know, yeah. But it was interesting to see, you know, within a week the difference of uh, the experience. But you know, loads, loads of folk there. It's, it's still bizarre seeing so many different, um, like standing on the train platform on the way home. You look across the other platform, and there's pretty much every NFL sh- team shirt you know you can imagine, and it's just just weird. It's like you well, can imagine just go it for the event, don't they? Yeah, no, exactly. You can imagine it. Uh, like, if I lived in America, would I go and see Manchester United versus Chelsea and wear my Villa shirts? Like, I wouldn't be asked to go into the game, really. It's kind of a, a weird one. Yeah, and still yet to win at the new Spurs stadium. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, I mean, Villa only won there because uh, they weren't, uh, we, we weren't allowed in. So uh, maybe yeah, that's true. the secret. Oh, just also finished Squid Game, which uh, we've actually done a uh, My Old Man Said Patron extra show, My Old Man Saw. That is recorded and should be out uh, within the next few days. I mean, it's uh, the, the mom stuff has to go out first. So uh, whenever that's all edited, then uh, I will uh, get that one out. But it's, uh, it's on its way, folks. And I think the Squid Game gets a mention in there amongst uh, a load of other things. Right, I think it's time for some news. Uh, we can talk about... I'll give you three options. 
we can talk about Northern Ireland, the Monaco of the UK, uh, scrapping checks on British goods. We can talk about the Rolling Stones dropping brown sugar from their US tour list. Or we can talk about the Villa News. Reluctantly the Villa News. Definitely the villain news. Yeah, the the Stones thing is a PC thing. Yeah. And, you know, the Stones shouldn't be touring the two old, surely. <laughs> shouldn't be playing any songs, let alone. <laughs> yeah, never mind Brown Sugar. Should be the whole set list should be scrapped. It's over, boys. How much money do you need? <laughs> I always remember David Bowie interview years ago where he was talking about that you know rock and roll is in its it's the first generation isn't it this hasn't really happened you, your bands like your beatles your rolling stones nobody has seen them get old so we are in a time now where we get to see what rock and roll rock and roll was the rebellion of the youth when it came about and uh, we are in the first generation to actually see what happens when it gets old and uh, if the rolling stones are the evidence it uh, it's, it's, <laughs> doesn't doesn't get old very gracefully, does it? Uh, they're just dressed. They're dressed younger than we do. <laughs> but my my theory was always when I was, you know, there's like a certain age that you should just stop, and that's it. No more band. You know, you get to forty, you you gotta gotta hang up your microphone. But then. Uh, you would miss out on a lot of good albums if that was a rule, but that was the you know that whole kind of spirit, the idea of rock music or whatever it is, the music of the youth, and that is completely uh, changed now. But yeah, anyway, right, uh, Villa News, it is. What have we uh, been missing out on since we last spoke? Of course, it's international duty time. Uh, normally, my favourite thing about international duty, it's really a toss-up between uh, Emmy Martinez's PR move to get a Champions League club next summer, which his international <laughs> career is all about at the moment. So, so I kind of wince a bit uh, when it happens. And what their social media doesn't realise, Villa social media, is they are joining in the PR exercise and raising uh, awareness. Raising the and, stock. And he's got Messi basically doing the best advertising job ever to get uh, Martinez moved to Real Madrid or Barcelona or wherever. So I like to play down Martinez's efforts for Argentina over the international break. It was all right, you know, you know that, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Just running the mill. Running the mill, he's all right. Made a couple of saves, you know, nothing to get excited about if you're the uh, director of football. At, he's only know, as good as know. the back four in front of him. <laughs> yeah, and, and Argentina have got probably the greatest back four in the history of football so that's why he's keeping these clean sheep. Oh yeah, they're ren- they're renowned for that, aren't they? <laughs> Flat yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> so if I was a director of football at uh, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona, just just know that the Argentinian back four is the best in the history of football. It's the first thing I think of, isn't it? That's when you think of Argentina, you don't think we'll, we'll better stop that number ten for Argentina, whether it's Maradona or Messi. No, no, we think of the the rock solid yeah. back four. How, how are we going to get through that fucking back four? It's it's been a mission impossible over the over the decades of football. <laughs> so Martinez, he's got the easiest gig. It's easy. It's uh, so you know. Don't think that he's going to bring glory, Champions League glory, to your team. Just just leave him alone. Nothing to be seen here. Nothing to see. And the, sorry, the other thing is John McGinn because John McGinn. Ah, yes. Tends to he score. Always comes up trumps, doesn't he? Tends to score in international breaks and... Um, Scored a belter in this one. Yeah, and then kind of forgets to score for Villa, but... 
<laughs> uses up his gold juice in the international breaks. Uh, well, he did score for us recently, so uh, hopefully he'll get one against the dogheads. But the main thing about the international break is this bullshit about uh, will players be back? And uh, Douglas Louise plays on Friday. He's not going to be back for the Saturday game against the dogheads. No fucking way. Martinez plays on Thursday. Now that's a real... Uh, touch and go jobby i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's not there would you i think he's got i think they said it's a 38 and a half hour gap to get back right douglas louise has got 37.5 apparently uh nakamba who lost both of his games uh for zimbabwe i think it's double header against ghana he should be back i mean this is the uh playing three games is just crazy and uh, the south americans making up for it and it's just uh just it's not it's just not cricket is it no um speaking of martinez he's been nominated for the uh lev yesin award for the world's best goalkeeper some tasty talent in that list to be fair again only because of how great the argentinian back four is and villa's back four is probably one of the best i've ever seen in the premier league so in the history, in the history of, of premier league so that's why he's nominated <laughs> for that award. I mean, those clean sheets, he's not making saves. He's just not having anything to do. Uh, does he win it? I think Kasper no. Schmeichel wins it. <laughs> I think he'll finish higher than Kasper Schmeichel. I'd Ten- imagine Donnarumma will get it, to be honest. Yeah, but he, he hasn't been great for Milan. Like, this is the thing. Martin is, I think he's in for a shout, but just because of that Copa America. Yeah, Donnarumma won the, obviously, the, the yeah, Euros. Donnarumma won the Euros, uh, and he was brilliant throughout the tournament. Then you've got Edison, Mendy. Mendy was very good for Chelsea. Courtois, Noé. There is actually, it's not a bad batch. Uh, there's 10 decent keepers there. I know Black, who hasn't been in his best form, but he's still a good goalkeeper. Handanovic is brilliant, still at Inter. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully Martinez doesn't win that. We, we don't want to see his stock rising. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want too much too soon. You want to just you want you want his stock to rise yeah. at exactly the same level as Villa. <laughs> give yeah, give him the world's best goalkeeper award when Villa have won something. That's that, you know that should, should tie in with that. When he when he single handedly wins us the Champions League. Exactly. Uh, the under twenty ones, Villa's under twenty ones, who have been uh, getting involved in the Papa John's Trophy. Uh, Normally, they just get blown out uh, this season. Uh, the continual investment in the uh, youth academy has seen uh, the team kind of click into gear and uh, they beat Burton 4 2 away and will now go to uh, the MK Dons. Is it the last group game? Yeah, at the MK got one, Dons? More, one more group game at MK Dons and that will decide who wins the group and therefore who, um, who gets a home draw in the first knockout round. Yeah, I mean historically in the in the Papa John's stroke uh, Johnson's paint whatever it's called trophy also uh, windscreen shield under 21 teams have never won it. I mean for example uh, my other boys Lincoln City when they won it they played Chelsea under 21s in the semi-final and actually uh, beat them on penalties. And I mean, hearing from behind the scenes, there was a bit of dread amongst the uh, EFL that Chelsea would go on to win that trophy because the only thing that hasn't really caused a super backlash uh, from that cup just being a uh, under 21s trial tournament mm-hmm. almost is the fact that they've never won it. So uh, if Villa, for example, went through and won it, then that would uh, cause a bit of a, let's say, a, a conversation about the mm-hmm. merit of the whole thing but you know we, you we wish them luck they did really well as well at Burton it was a really good game of football actually they played some great stuff considering they were 2-0 down after about 20 minutes came back obviously Archer with another hat trick Bud the was there was brilliant 
I was there with the doggy daycare. <laughs> it was a really good turnout from Villa, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not too far to go, but there was a really good turnout from Villa, really vocal, got behind them. They played some great football, really brave. You know, once they actually grew into the game after being 2-0 down, they, they scored just before half-time and it kind of changed the game because second half, you could tell they, they came out with a bit of belief and that sort of youthful exuberance. But they also knew that they were technically better footballers. I mean, Archer, just three goals that Archer scored are great finishes, brilliantly crafted and great finishes. That All four of them were just a great I mean, you pretty much, since since he's come into the public eye, Archer, when you look at pretty much every goal he's scored since uh, you so know, he's, come, he's come into play, it's like, it's pretty much everything that, you know, Keenan Davis didn't have. It's just clinical, isn't it? I mean, Keenan Davis doesn't need to be the most composed finisher, but he didn't have that predatory instinct. Now, Archer, it's it's above and beyond predatory instinct. He's not just popping up uh, and timing at his runs because, you know, he's scoring a lot of goals from outside the box. And- yeah. And almost, shot on him. but it's not like it's it's like a composed finish. His placement, it's uh, it's really quite something. Well, the goal for his his hat trick was a brilliant move, and it just rolls out to him on the edge of the box. He just passes it in the bottom corner. It's like a you know, it's like a experienced pro strikers finished. I haven't seen that many experienced strikers for Villa score goals like that. So uh, I'm hoping he's better. All than three the of them average. Right? <laughs> I'm hoping he's better than the experienced pro. To be honest, and actually as well, I mean, it's the, it's the next point, but. Um, uh, Carney took my worker's brother Caleb who just won the September Player of the Month award PL2 he looks like the player that actually you'd you'd play him over Keenan Davis he's strong he's physical but he's much more mobile yeah. and, he's, and his hold up play is good so all of a sudden Keenan Davis is going to find himself potentially further down the pecking order than he realises I think it's history uh, to be honest yeah. uh, Villa women lost uh, 3-0 to Reading Reading scored three first half goals after previously uh, failing to score a single goal this season. So uh, I think they, I mean, they had a decent performance against Arsenal, and Arsenal only just kind of ripped on in the last ten minutes, wasn't it? Uh, in the yeah. game before, so they were probably expecting to do better now. But it's uh, yeah, bit of a sticky patch, and then the the lost on penalties to Liverpool in the Conte Cup. Um, but I think I think they still got uh, a point in that. So I'm not sure about how the format works. It maybe you know it's a bit like. US style like overtime you get you go to penalties but you still get a point if it gets that far but yeah but despite that the their goalkeeper Hannah Hampton who's been playing well she's been called up to the Lionesses squad well we, we don't even watch the men's uh international so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that information is kind of irrelevant uh, to this podcast at this stage but uh, yeah I mean that, they were always going to have a sticky start to the season just because uh, there was a lot, bit of an overhaul uh, in terms of personnel and including uh, the manager so uh, we'll see how that one uh, maps out right I think it's time for a bit of uh, media muppets <laughs> So, Phil, what's in the medium whippet trough this week? Well, unfortunately, I'm going back to the trough that's Football Insider. And this week... The stench, the stench. This week, Alan Hutton's found his way into it. Covered in shit, is he? (laughs) (laughs) This was the headline. Obviously, the headlines are just... They're a work of their own. They're like a... Like a, a small like period piece, the headlines. Um, Hutton suggests Ings is angry with Aston Villa teammates after what he's seen in person. Again, that's just not and nothing like that at all. He didn't ignore it. I can't ignore it. It's, when you see, I mean, Hutton suggests Ings is angry. What I mean, why is Danny Ings angry? The last time I saw Danny Ings playing for Villa, he had that beaming smile whenever Ollie Watkins tucked that finish away. Like you said, it's the happiest you've ever seen a, a Villa player for another one scoring. Yeah, no, he was. Uh, it was amazing, actually. Uh, he was, you know, so happy for for Watkins. But continue. 
Yeah, but what they extracted that drama from was this, that uh, Hutton's actual words were, Ings and Watkins looked a little bit frustrated up front. They weren't getting the service they needed to go and affect the game. There was a lot of balls from defence that were more like clearances than nice passes down your attacking line. It was more like launching the ball down the line, and that's not what they want. I mean, like, that was another bit that made me just think, I'm sorry, did I miss Alan Hutton's entire Villa career? I can't remember <laughs> the, the intricate threaded through balls that came from right back when he was playing there. Yeah, but it's just another case of uh, how headlines are being rolled out and uh, and then they just put it through a random word generator to get the actual article I, I mean you know oh, the Birmingham Mail is at it again uh, their, their new international break theme seems to be uh, let's try to get Jack Grealish in uh, the headline as many times as possible and one that stuck out for me was Aston Villa have found three potential replacements for Jack Grealish now this is you look at it take a step back and you go this is clickbait for transfer rumours and so you're thinking, well, hang on a minute, but uh, didn't Christian Perslow actually address Villa supporters to actually say Jack Grealish has already been replaced in the aggregate by the purchases of Buendia, Ings and Bailey? But then you actually uh, click on it and it's, oh no, uh, Villa have found three potential replacements. It's just uh, a puff piece about the Ramsey brothers and Chuck Moeka. And you're thinking, oh yeah, so we're going to go from a couple of decent performances in the youth setup and general promise to uh, replacing a, an England international, are we? A hundred million pound player. Save that until uh, maybe three, four, five years time. It's uh, ridiculous. But there, somebody in Match Club actually pointed out the idea of, uh, you know, the, the advertising uh, regulations consumer protection from unfair trading regulations means you cannot mislead or harass consumers for example including false and deceptive messages leaving out important information and using aggressive sales techniques now clickbait these articles these worthless articles are pretty much guilty on all these fronts in terms of deception and they, these headlines are all deception and there should be something uh that clamps down on it because it is getting kind of beyond a joke. But I'm I'm starting to lose any kind of sympathy for people who do click on these things because it's so transparent now that you should be avoiding this kind of shite. Anyway, we digress and move on to the three points. It's got to be top of the pile. Number one, Newcastle have finally got their dream. And it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a dilemma. I mean, they've been acquired by the Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, the PIF for a fee i think it's actually uh is it it's more around about 350 million yes so that's dollars uh 500 billion in assets new owners will have more money than all the other premier league clubs combined so the toon army is beside itself happy days it's going mad it's doing this this kind of stuff that villa fans never do they don't when there's like a uh, messiah kind of event like for example they when martin turn o up in their thousands outside. martin o'neill rocked up and we saw him as the new messiah and there's like 20 people at villa park to greet him but Newcastle are one of these teams where they're almost like a throwback to like Italian teams or even Spanish teams where they go on mass, turn up at the stadium. But I think this time they were turning up from the stadium. One was, I think, is it 50, 50, 50, 50% to get rid of Ashley and 50%? Yeah. Oh, my days. We've, uh, we've hit the jackpot here. Yeah, I think so. But there's a big issue here. And, you know, the Newcastle Supporters Trust who, uh, who you know are, are a decent active supporters trust they they kind of got giddy and they put out a statement which i've never seen 
you know, brown nose uh, club owners almost naively. Now we're talking about the Premier League vetoed this move before because there was two objections. One was uh, they were guilty of uh, pirating uh, Premier League games in terms of broadcasting. And uh, the other one was obviously their human rights records on many levels. Uh, I mean, infamously, a, a journalist, was he, he was chopped up, was he not? Yeah. And disposed of. Then there's obviously the whole human rights side in terms of uh, women and, you know, LGBTQ, etc., etc. Now, as soon as uh, there's reassurances about the pirating, the Premier League are like, yep, yeah, no, no, that's, you know, that's all right now. Uh, everything's fine. Oh, by the way, uh, you're not connected with Saudi Arabia as a as a state, are you? Because we're not allowed to do that. They've shown them some documents to say, no, no, legally binding assurances that no, the Saudi the state... Prince. The Saudi state will not control uh, Newcastle, so the Premier League are happy about that. Uh, I'm missing something here because the, uh, the the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia. Of the royal family. <laughs> of the royal family. So uh, this is bullshit in terms of the Premier state. League. It's not like there's a royal family and a president. The royal family run the country. It's just exactly, but you know this fund. It's it's no slouch. I mean, they've got a massive stake in you know companies like Facebook and the Citigroup, and loads of stuff in film, isn't it? They're just whitewashing the whole thing. Almost five hundred million stake in Disney, seven hundred million plus in Boeing. They've got almost a 500 million stake in the Bank of America as well. I mean, you know, this is kind of serious uh, situation. So uh, they've obviously got eyes on a football club for a reason. And it's, you know, pretty much the same reason as Manchester City, PSG, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's the, the kind of whole sports washing thing. But, you know, there's Newcastle fans I know, one of them referred to it as, uh, it's like you're, you've been in jail and somebody's released you from jail somebody's re- released you from jail to potentially execute you or something it's like you're so yeah. relieved to get out of the jail but what you don't realize is you're going to the electric chair instead but the you know, modern day football fans just wants to spend big money in the transfer fund and they don't care how uh i mean look at villa how everybody giddily thought oh we got like we got millions and millions of chinese money now we're one of the richest clubs nobody does any digging and those, and some of the ones that do, don't care anyway. You know, as I always said on uh, Doctor Tony or uh, uh, Tony Shy, it's like the Wizard of Wizard of Shy, or whoever you pronounce his bloody name. Uh, you know, what is behind the curtain? And we we soon found out there was absolutely nothing uh, behind the curtain. It's a, it's a moral compass thing, and we we know that the Premier League does not have one. And uh, money talks. Well, it's almost like with the Newcastle thing. It feels like. Someone, you know, the morals had gone out the window a long time ago, money take over a long time ago, but this is like everything that everybody hates on steroids. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's just the worst of the worst. And then some. It's almost like the final test, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how how morally bankrupt is the football in- industry? And it's, uh, you know, from supporters to uh, the actual institutions that run it. And you just see there's no classy oh, bone in the body. There's, from the- there's no classy bones in anybody's body, is there? And, nah, we're uh, all it will of- eat itself, as we've always said on this podcast, and it's doing a good job of that. Yeah, we all end up getting sort of being hypocrites in our own way with different things. I've seen little, you know, statements from other Newcastle fan groups like the LBGT group, and you think, what? Yeah, like hypocrites there. They're not even absolute nonsense. It's almost like, yeah, we don't care anymore about our rights. Just to, you know, let's just buy uh, Jack Grealish for two hundred and fifty million. Yeah. That's all we want. It's the real 
ugly side of win at all costs. Yeah, disappointing. Uh, I mean, this this is not sour grapes, by the way, people. It's like Newcastle, decent folk. We've had like a f- phony kind of... Uh, phony rivalry. Social media rivalry stoked up by the local press, but it's like Leeds, Leeds meet Villa, meet Leeds and Newcastle fans on trains, you know, after games right. or whatever. Before games, you have a good chat because you both Got see... Got a lot of Newcastle fans. You both see each other's respective fan bases as like, you know, proper supporter groups. It's just, you know, social media is another world. It's... Well, it's as grim as sovereign wealth funds. <laughs> but anyway, point number two, the last show we mentioned the Pandora Papers leaks, talking about nefarious wealth. And uh, Mr. Pep Guardiola has popped up uh, in it, has he not, uh, Mr. Shaw? Yes, I mean, talk about digging deeper. Um, our favourite um, Messiah football, Guardiola, has popped up in it because he... Uh, when he in his last two playing seasons, his large salary from playing in Qatar, he deposited it in Andorra, where he wouldn't have to pay any tax on it because he wasn't a resident there. At the time, he was earning a reported two million a season with Al Ahly, and he didn't declare any of this to the Spanish tax agency. Now, one might say, luckily for Pep, um, he was able to take advantage of a tax amnesty in Spain in twenty twelve to basically pay a pay a small percent off the top of this just to you know get his house in order there so he yeah. had the he had the account from then up until 2012 so but this is just a, he's just one of many names that are in the pandora papers but no, I, I can't yeah, say I mean, I was pretty too much. Surprised. I mean, any any million. As soon as you're starting to earn that money, I mean, all these footballers they've got a obviously a financial uh, management team advisors but it's not the financial advisors that people go to you know invest their uh, few grand from what they earn or you know get a mortgage or whatever these are people who uh, can bury money and avoid tax that's the whole idea and name of the game when it's in the millions uh anyway we said a bit about that last time uh point number three on a lighter note everybody's favorite x premier league referee howard webb well, Manchester United fans' favourite ex-premier <laughs> referee, anyway, has married uh, the, uh, the female version of himself, uh, essentially, in uh, Bibi Steinhouse. Uh, yeah. I know the, the American uh, football writer Grant, uh, is it Wall? Yeah. Did he interview them both together, holding hands? Or was, was he invited to the wedding? Or what was the story? No, he, he interviewed them both um, together there. And I, I just happened to read it there. And I thought to myself, oh, I'll give it a read. I mean, hard web use, uh, reading into these referees. They're, they're strange creatures. But the, this was a, took disturbing to a whole new level. I mean, the similarities <laughs> between him and his new wife, they're, they're, they're quite striking. Um, both she of them bold. Are, not yet. Both of them are... <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> sorry uh, well no well both of them are former police officers and both of them's fathers were also referees and the two of them were at the top of their profession they both refereed a world cup final and they both refereed a UEFA champions league final so when you get that level of um it's narcissism isn't it, it is narcissism you miss, <laughs> you're just marrying yourself I mean, yeah. Hard actually left his first wife to marry the female version of himself. So um, <laughs> they they got they got married during the the first lockdown period and now live in New Jersey, where it said their interests include critiquing other referees, uh, running, and when they're not together, they video cook to two versions of Jimmy Oliver's cookbook, uh, an English version and a German version. But wow. to bring it back home, um, BB Steinhouse is actually the 
Women's Select Group Director of the PGMOL. So she's um, basically the Mike Riley of uh, the women's refereeing game. Wow. So I wonder if uh, Manchester United's women will start doing a lot better now that she's there. If she's, if she's that similar to Hard Web, they're going to go right to the top. <laughs> Yeah, that is uh, that is definitely a bizarre one uh, of uh, marrying somebody in your own likeness. A shout out to Free Trade, the commission free trading app uh, for uh, supporting the show. Free Trade, from my experience, the, one of the easiest ways to uh, manage and run your share portfolio. And also it's commission free. And it's uh, very easy to use. Uh, by uh, signing up to Free Trade, once you fund your account, you will get a free share from uh, the value of £3 to £200. Remember, like with all investments, your capital is at risk and the value of your portfolio may go down as well as up and you may get back less than what you invest. For more information, please go to freetrade.io slash M-O-M-S. Moms. Freetrade.io slash Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As we mentioned at the top, uh, this is uh, just to catch up on things. Uh, we will be doing uh, something for the weekend before the Dogheads game. Just uh, before we go, though, uh, Dean Smith's third anniversary uh, this week. Uh, as we mentioned on the last show, uh, after Ranieri came in at Watford, uh, he is now the sixth longest serving Premier League manager after, after, off the top of my head, Sean Dyche, Klopp, yeah. Guardiola, Falk of Norwich, uh, Bielsa, Leeds, and then it's Smith. Three years is pretty good for any manager. I mean, it's the longest since O'Neill uh, in, in a Villa context. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, it's uh, it's a long time. I would expect Smith to eclipse O'Neill in terms of, you know, just yes. over five years uh, at, yeah. at least. I think he'll be, uh, I mean, bar a catastrophe this season, he should still be in play in the next couple of seasons. Uh, the stakes rise as, as the money is spent. But h- how do you see him uh, at this juncture, Phil? Well, I, d- I didn't honestly think he would get to this juncture. I mean, I think. Oh yeah, you would. You were a non-believer, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Well, I was a believer and then a non-believer. It was uh, Watford away that three-nil performance or non-performance. Um, that was when I had pulled the trigger. I just didn't see how he could um, get anything out of that team after that. Now, obviously, I was wrong. And I'm I'm glad I was wrong, but yeah, this is this is why we don't let you talk a lot on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> your, your judgment's a bit iffy. 
I know. Well, That's why we make the predictions. Yeah, well, yeah. you say even, even a broken clock's right twice a day, but it's, <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. There was a stage where I, I asked Perslow to his face, uh, I can't remember what my context was. Was it the kind of level of expectation in terms of, you know, where Smith fits in with this? And uh, just, I, I can't remember the context of the question, but the, the answer you saw that they are all behind Smith in terms of the long term. This He's is very much their guy, isn't he? Yeah, this wasn't a uh, get us out the, the championship man and then, uh, you know, let's see how you do in the Premier League and, uh, you know, if, if we'll get rid of him if, uh, if he's not up to uh, the task. This is like they see him as the man to take Villa to where they want to get. And, you know, you heard Smith in, I think, probably his last interview where he said, you know, I want to be uh, a Champions League manager. So that's his ambition. So it, he's firmly in. This is not a stepping stone in any any uh, sense of the, uh, you know, th- of the discussion. But uh, my question marks were just before we got him uh, in terms of normally when you get a lower league manager, a Premier League club where well, we were a championship club then, but let's say we were, uh, for all extents and purposes, a, a top, top team in this uh, in this country. You look at the track record and you go, yeah, you know, he, he won, you know, the won the Vauxhall Conference, he won the League Two, he won League One, or he you know, took him on a cup run or something, non-league team. There's like credentials of winning, but he didn't actually have, he didn't have that winning mentality. And that was my only question mark before he came because ultimately uh you're not picking up a manager who's only just finished you know sixth well he hadn't even finished that high i don't think like eighths ninths tenths in lower league football but i think they were looking at him from a footballing perspective and then we would say on the podcast that maybe his canvas the way smith wants to play the way he thinks that is probably suited to the canvas of you know the top tiers where you've got better players to actually execute your vision and the, you know lower leagues you haven't got the technicality to actually perform on the levels you know that you see football so that was how that was mitigated and that and that seems to have played out i mean you know we've seen some great stuff for under smith yeah. I mean, yeah you'd never expect to see a team dismantle liverpool 7-2 and he's you know the only manager since o'neill to beat uh, manchester united as well and I'm, you know obviously in, in all the three years we've had various moments in all the seasons where we you know we've all sort of been critical at times, and we've gone: is he is he quick to learn, or is he you know is he proactive enough in games and stuff? But actually, whenever he's had a problem, he has rectified it, hasn't he? If not straight away, he has you know a few games down the line, or certainly longer term, like through the COVID period, how he transformed that team from being that bad to actually keeping them up showed that he'd learned a lot. And then the next, the following season, he, he, he Let's does hover learn. on that point because the, the, the lazy narrative by, uh, you know, the usual numpties is Grealish, Grealish saved us, Grealish, you know, this is written everywhere, local media, blah, blah, blah. Grealish saved us, one-man team, Grealish, Grealish, Grealish. Not at all. Yep. He didn't turn up for Project Restart Grealish. He was nowhere to be seen. Even when he scored against West Ham, you know, within five minutes, it, it came off him and they equalised. So that was cancelled out. Out effectively in terms of the result but the main thing why we stayed up in that season and it was as pivotal and even probably more miraculous than when we got promoted uh, because the 10 game winning run is is quite amazing but when you've got a, when you've spent that much money on on players and you've got the tools a, he had at that you've level. got the tools that are cut above championship teams you expect to you know if somebody said you're going to beat 10 championship teams on the trot you go yeah fair enough that's to be expected but 
So we were down. We were fucked. If that COVID didn't come along, we'd probably go down. Just the momentum of uh, mm-hmm. being crap. Yeah. Having that rethink, and it was that reorganization of the defense, and it was the defense that was the key the key thing, because we were giving away sloppy goals. I mean, we still do occasionally. There's the old Ming's brain fart here and there. But we were absolutely transformed, and that carried on into the next season. And, you know, what did we get, 15 clean sheets the next season? They'd work something out. And you've got to remember that Smith was always about, if you go 1-0 up, the best form of defence is to get that second goal. And when he broke it down, just what he was saying, just the text of it, it was, this is a bit naive. And Mm -hmm. we were getting caught out and losing points because of that approach. But he found the balance in that uh, pandemic time of getting that sweet spot between attack and defence. But make defence a priority. Mm-hmm. At least create a step, stepping stone of having a solid back line. And by the way, you know you've spent money on that back line as well, so uh, it needs to be organised. The, the the big thing I take from the three years, especially the last two, is that pretty much all of the Dean Smith signings that he's brought in, bar a couple of iffy ones in that January in the Premier League where they obviously panic bought some matter etc. But aside from that, most of his signings have worked. He's improved a lot of the players. You look at the squad now and the squad last season and how much better they were. You look at how much he improved Grealish, to be fair, by giving him a kick up the arse yeah. in and terms of his stats and his output. Pointing out some basics, like yeah. you need to score more goals and make more um, assists. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not fart yeah. around collecting the ball on the end of your own bo- edge yeah, of the you, own, you, your own box. You look at the improvement in uh, Douglas Louise, in Conza. Conza's improvement's been huge. Um, and various other players. And then you look just from a, from you refer it back to him being Perslow's guy. They brought him in because he could work within a money ball system. Well, part of the money ball system is getting value for money and having sell on value. Well, you could say, well, Dean Smith's been instrumental in taking Jack Grealish from, I think when, when he arrived, Jack was about to leave Villa for 25 million, if not less, to go to Spurs. Therefore, he's made added 75 million in value to a player. Yeah, Conza, Mings, Louise, McGinn. The the list is endless. Martinez of guys who are who are worth more. Yeah, I mean the irony of the Grealish thing, as we said, he, his value went up when he wasn't playing. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just improved. I think he's improved himself. I think he got you know the, the coaching system around him. He is the reason why we we stayed up. He's the main reason uh, in that first season. It was Smith and Smith actually uh, reappraising that Villa team. It wasn't that one man Grealish thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, we beat Manchester United without Grealish, and the only difference was that team was the same as the one last season. It was just Ings yeah. instead of Grealish. Yeah, and if anything, Man United was stronger. Yeah, for yeah. some reason Smith doesn't. You know, he doesn't get the credit. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's I don't very think unfashionable, he, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't go looking for credit. But it's all. I mean, when something goes well, it's always somebody else. So when they stayed up, like you said before, it was Grealish. Um, when they score a goal from a corner now, it's McPhee. Uh, yeah, it's just anything. You or know, a clean def- sheet was always John Terry. Yeah, clean sheet was yeah. always John Terry. But as soon as something goes wrong, it's oh Smith didn't make the change when he should have. Um, yeah. he picked the wrong team, and those those are valid criticisms because that's the things that we say. I mean, it's the 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 most obvious. Change is one that he doesn't seem to make at times, but you know we've he's proved plenty of people wrong in those changes. And I think sometimes with that we react to when it goes wrong. But actually, there's been numerous occasions as well where he's made the right changes. There was the game last year. Was it we played Fulham, didn't we? Yeah. And we were floundering around, and all the subs came on and changed the game and turned it on a sixpence. There's, there's been yeah, it's, it's gone both ways. Yeah. But also, you have to give him credit that 
He has his philosophy. He knows the way he wants to play. And he sticks to his guns because he believes in the plan. And now you're starting to see that. I saw that at Burton with the 21s. Now you see the way the first team play and you see the age group teams. And now he has. We've talked about for years on this part about things like the Villa engine and a philosophy. You're seeing that developing now. It's still relatively early stages but he's had yeah. a plan he's got a director of football above him and there's a framework isn't it it's a much yeah. bigger thing. that was the vision of the new owners and the Purslows was to build I mean you know that was what let's go back to uh, the Winus years that's what they wanted to uh, instill in the club and uh, Steve Round was saying you know I met him for a discussion on it was that framework where your youth team is playing exactly the way the first team plays so as those players move through the age groups they're so familiar with the system that the first team plays that it's like a conveyor belt of talent ready made for that formation and you've got ready built combinations within that side you've got a, a Chuck Mueca and a Ramsey for example who are already bouncing off each other through under 12s through the 15s when they go pro at 16s 17s 18s 23s etc yeah so this this is an it this is like just the proper way you build a football club uh, because at Brentford's uh, Brentford have got that infrastructure smith goes they don't care it's the next man comes in yeah and uh, pretty much you know the manager or the head coach whoever you want to phrase the title is is kind of the final 10 percent, isn't he at the end of the day yeah. i mean which, you know we've got people you know you've got your rob mckenzie on a, on the recruitment side who's been clearly very integral langer etc you've got it's a it's a much more i hate using the word holistic approach but it's a much bigger picture thing than just one guy and his vision dean smith will have a vision but there is a vision higher up that he they, they're all locked in zoom out and we're a work in progress still and you need end results you know finishing 13th 14th in the league 11th is not what you spend millions and millions of pounds to do you know you've got to start knocking on the door of the big boys now and that's the the difficult step and that's that will be the big step for smith because it's something he never did as a player or as a you know he hasn't done as a manager yet but it's yeah so this is the confident three years no probs four or five years that's when uh it's the defining time of uh is Dean Smith, a legacy building manager or head coach. Actually, I think if he if he knocks through this glass ceiling, then you're into the realms of he'll be there a decade type manager. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's like investing. Once you break through the previous all time high, you you tend to really go for it, and that's what uh, you know. It's the only thing Smith's really won is uh, a playoff final and. A team like Villa, this is nothing to do with him because he came part way through the season. But a team like Villa shouldn't be getting promotion through playoffs it should be winning the league they shouldn't frankly shouldn't have even been in the league in the first place yeah. but they were deservedly yeah i think a lot of the criticism of him comes because it's, it's a kind of manager that premier league teams aren't meant to have premier league yeah. teams are meant to have managers that you look at Mourinho. always oh, won this league he's, he's won a trophy at every club he's been at so he's always that to fall back on ancelotti going into everton completely failing but everybody goes oh it's carlo ancelotti look what he did at chelsea look what he did at milan yeah. look what he did at madrid i mean smith is very much like Smith's at the same level as the team at the minute. It's he's that's exactly where he is, and I can't remember any manager that's grown at exactly the same level as the team. So if the two of them keep at the same pace, that's what you're looking. Possibly someone like Ferguson, and when he was at Aberdeen, yeah, because the model of what the average schmuck on social media if Villa lose two games then it's Smith out. The only thing they can understand is they oh Villa should get Angelotti in or you know a named manager that's not how Villa are going to get success in this game the only way they've they've got to do a novel approach and that is to have a manager 
that builds the culture and builds the team and is an integral part of what's happening and drives it forward ultimately uh, to the success at the end. They're not, you know, Angelotti's not going to come to Villa and go, right, I'm, you know, he's only coming for money, isn't he? And another job. He would, he's had his glory days. You know, any, when I say Angelotti, I'm just pulling out one name. It could be any, any mm-hmm. one of the, uh, any one the of the big games, A-listers. you know, even Mourinho, whatever. Their their health, you know, Halcyon days are behind them. Their best, their best days, the the days when they're in, integrated into the fabric of a club, they're over now. Now, now, now they're playing, you know, now they're playing off past glories, and you know, good luck to them. They've earned it, but that's what they're getting paid for is uh, the hope that they can deliver that one more time. While Villa's best chance of actually creating a legacy and you know, redefining themselves is through something like, you know, an an inbuilt manager. And, you know, he's been on the journey as a lot of the players have, you know, your Mings, McGinn. Even Hawes. El Ghazi, the promotion journey. And, you know, the only loss about Grealish was that romantic thing about having a manager. Mm -hmm. It's Roy of the Rovers stuff, having a manager and a captain and uh, that link between the fans. But there was, it did, you take a step back, and you think, well, maybe it did affect the balance and the focus on Villa as a team. And I think we're better for not having that kind of uh, distraction. And, and that sort of all, all your eggs in one basket mentality on the field, which isn't good. And Smith admitted that. Perslow did very eloquently. Um, and I think we're in, a, we're in a stronger position to grow. And also, I think we've we've got, um, while Smith's unfashionable, I still think he has all the trademarks or hallmarks, if you prefer, of a contemporary football manager. He's very data-driven which is the modern way in pretty much every sport now. You know, he's not he's not he's not old school, he's very much the new school. And he's and he's got that sort of growth mindset that you need in a modern business or successful organization. He wants to try things out. The fact that he's gone out and brought a, you know specialist coaches in and stuff, these these are all things that should be applauded. Yeah. He's thinking outside the box because we have to, as you as you've said, we can't try and play Man City or try and go up against the sovereign wealth team and beat them at, at boardroom level. You've got to be clever. And also you're not gonna you're not gonna get a better manager on the open market than Manchester no, City. Because no Manchester City will have the manager already in place. Same yep. with Liverpool and any of the big guns. That's why you've gotta you've gotta roll your own, so to speak. <laughs> Smith will define himself ultimately at Villa. So at the moment, you know, Villa are still alive in terms of everything Edens and Suarez and Perslo et al. want. The project, and, the project is moving along very nicely. And if that is called Project Smith, then uh, it's going in the right direction. The only question mark is coming off the bend and getting it over the line and, and winning something. And uh, that will be... Uh, another further test of uh, Smith down the line. It's like, you know, you see things, the only hints are, A, you know, we took care of business against Derby in that final, as we expected. Perhaps, I don't think we've offered enough in that, maybe that Manchester City Cup final, where we ne- it never looked likely it was going to be a uh, Smith's done a job on Pep underdog <sighs> kind of story. That's what I'd like to, you know, like Ron Atkinson can pull right rabbits out of hats in a one-off game and had a reputation for that. It would be good that Smith got a reputation for that and he might not need to because he's actually building a team that, you know, you just look at the last year consistently, apart from Manchester City, we've beaten every one of the top six 
the uh, the Super League Six, the so-called Big Six. Yeah. So uh, that shows you that he's actually created a team that can go toe to toe with them. Uh, no, the disparity isn't that great. It's still big, but it's it's it, yeah, it's it's closing. So uh, you, you know, I'm not going to grade him or anything after three years. I think we are in the right direction. And this season, you know, this team hasn't still hasn't uh, had a roll of three or four games where we're actually we've got everybody together. We've still got these fucking international bollocks situations the south americans with their three games crammed into a, a short period of time instead of two and uh, injuries we still don't know what our best team and formation is to be honest you know give me bailey fit for at least three consecutive months and uh you know let's see what this team is at and uh where we finish finish up if we finish outside uh, the top half this season that will would be a deep disappointment so let's yeah, leave it at i'd that. agree with that right until next time Please do uh, follow the podcast. There's a couple of shows coming up after this one in quick succession. I'll do the I'll do the uh, shout outs for the new patrons uh, on the next show. Uh, I forgot to uh, write them down, but the next show's coming in a few days anyway, so uh, we'll save them for that. But please do uh, support the show and also get access uh, in the next uh, few days. You're going to get uh, My Old Man Saw, our podcast on screen culture, and I will drop a uh, solo podcast all on the wonderful world world of uh, crypto in football and fan tokens to explain what it's all about so look out for that so also if you want to uh, get access to the extra shows and most of all join match club the inner sanctum inner circle the hive mind of my old man said and uh, if you also want to support the show then please do go to the website myoldmansaid.com click on the patron link for more details there don't forget to follow the show on whatever podcast app that you listen to because uh, as i said there's going to be a few dropping in the next few days follow us on twitter at my old man said and also uh, track down the uh, facebook group the mad few which is dedicated to the show which uh, i'll put the links up on uh, social media over the next couple of days any closing remarks gents bring on the dogheads it should be a good game that one be interesting to see what new team comes out this time with people missing yeah and who's actually else. available this week yeah. so until the season starts up again for at least four weeks and then it go back the next international break is it sure there's only one international break before the turn of the year now yeah another one in november yeah. unfortunately and then that's it right until we get into the swing of things once again it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.